0: Amen. Well, welcome to church today. It's so good to be together. And I want to welcome everyone at Mesa and as well, I want to welcome you at Fountain Hills and at South Mountain. Also, if you're joining us online, uh, this is an exciting day for our church, not only because we have snow and fun and games for the kids, but also because, as you know, in Mesa today, it's our first day in our new building. It's awesome. This is my first time preaching on this stage. So you can tell your great grandkids that you were there for it one day. You can let them know. It's a really great time and it's a great way to kick off the Christmas season around here. And each week it's going to get a little bit more Christmassy up in here as we build towards the advent celebration and the word advent means coming this refers to both the birth of jesus when he first came as well as his future return in glory as king and for most protestant churches advent begins the first sunday after november 30th that's today and then it ends in a special service on christmas eve And the tradition of lighting candles for Advent began in Eastern Germany prior to the Reformation. So different denominations and different church groups, they tend to have different words and traditions that go with the candles. But for every Christian, the candles being lit symbolizes the light of Jesus coming into the world. And this year we're going to focus on faith, peace, joy, and love. And I chose faith to start us out this first Sunday because we wouldn't be here today without the faith and the hard work and the prayer, there we go, of so many people that brought us to this point today. And what you're going to see is that each week we're going to light more of these candles, and that represents us getting closer to the light of Jesus coming into the world. And I want to encourage you, maybe challenge you a little bit right off the bat, if you're one of those people that you don't necessarily come to church every week, let this be a season where you come every week, you get all of this Advent celebration, you see all these candles getting lit as we build up towards celebrating at Christmas time and the birth of Jesus. We are only here today because of faith. And we'll get to where we're going because of faith. I believe that God has a great plan for each and every one of your lives. And I wanna preach a message today titled, Faith Will Get You There. Faith Will Get You There. I'm gonna start in Hebrews 11, verse six, so that you know why this matters. It says this, and it is impossible to please God without, what's that word? faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I heard a story about an elderly lady and she was well known for her faith and her boldness in declaring it. And every day she would go out on her front porch and she would stand there and she would shout, praise the Lord. And she had a neighbor who was an atheist And he would get so angry at her coming out and shouting every day that sometimes he would shout back in response, there ain't no Lord. Well, eventually this elderly lady fell on hard times and she was really struggling. So she started to pray faithfully for God to help her. And so she went out on her porch and she shouted, praise the Lord, God, I need your help. I'm having a hard time, Lord, please send me groceries. Well, the next morning she goes out on her porch and what do you know? There's a big bag of groceries sitting there and she shouts out, praise the Lord. Just then her neighbor jumps out from behind a bush and says, gotcha, I told you there was no Lord. God didn't buy you those groceries, I did. This caused the lady to start jumping up and down and clapping and shouting all the louder, praise the Lord, God not only sent me groceries, but he made the devil pay for them. Don't you love when God works it out? Do you remember in school, the times when you had a question, but you were afraid you might be the only one who had that question? So you didn't ask the question, but actually everyone else had the same question. So here's the question. What is faith? Well, Hebrews 11 tells us, and it says, "'Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, and what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen.'" I noticed this word assurance there in Greek. It's the word hypostasis. And it's one word that represents the idea of having a firm foundation that you can build your life on. This type of faith is not wishful thinking or vague fantasy. But here's my definition of faith for you. Faith is confidence in a reality to come demonstrated by actions today. Here it is, faith is confidence in a reality to come, demonstrated by actions today. Here's the deal, everyone has a type of faith, but not everyone puts their faith in the right place or in the same God as we do. It's possible to have misplaced faith or counterfeit faith or even dead faith, which I'll talk about. But for Christians, we put our faith in the God of the Bible, in his description of the reality to come, as his word describes it, and this type of settled faith, this confidence drives our every decision. This type of biblical saving faith results in, hear me, action. In fact, it's your actions that serve as the litmus test. Uh, For whether or not your faith is genuine. When I think of faith, I can't help but think about when I was in the Army and I went to the U.S. Army's Airborne School. And I don't think I've ever had to act in faith more than when I went to Airborne School. It was my first time jumping out of a fully functional airplane which is just a weird experience. And I didn't really know that much about skydiving or how parachutes worked scientifically. All I knew is that these instructors told me that when I jumped out of this plane, this parachute would keep me from dying. And here's the deal. I didn't see the guys packing up the parachute into the harness. I didn't even know for sure there was a parachute inside. It could have just been camping supplies and, I wouldn't have known, but all I knew, I believed by faith that if I did what they told me when I jumped out and the ripcord deployed the parachute, that I would not smash into the earth like a bug. It took a lot of faith, I'll tell you. If you ever ask yourself, how do I know that I really believe? Or how do I know that my faith is genuine? Well, it's not in what you think or even why you think it, but you know your faith is genuine based on what you do. So I want to read a little bit of a longer passage here, but this is a fun passage. This is like the sports center top 10 of the Old Testament here. And so in Hebrews 11, uh, I, I want to give you a little bit of a demonstration of what faith looks like. Here's what the Bible does. Is in verse 1, it told us the assurance, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. But really, instead of going on and on about trying to define it, it gives us this demonstration of what faithful people actually did. And in verse four, it says this, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. In verse 17, it says, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. And it was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. I mean, what an epic account. These folks were memorialized in scripture for all time because they had faith. So when scripture says, you wanna know what faith is, here it is, it gives us in the English Standard Version a 15 word definition and then 939 words worth of illustration by demonstration. This is faith. It looks like this. If you're here today, I'm gonna suppose that you already have faith in God or at least you wanna have faith in something. And maybe if you're here at one of our locations today, you're praying that God would do some kind of miracle in your life. Does anybody need a miracle of some sort today? I don't think you're the only one. Well, I want you to know this. Every miracle starts with a step of faith and every step of faith leads you closer to your next miracle. Today is the day we celebrate our campuses expanding, which was many years in the making. All of our campuses started with God's people taking bold steps of faith. I think about our Fountain Hills campus back in the 80s. Pastor Leroy Johnson and his board members who had been holding services with around 50 people in the local Fountain Hills Community Center, they were having Sunday school in two classrooms they rented above the local gas station. They bought three and a half acres of land for $90,000, believing by faith that they would someday have a church of their own. And in 1993, Pastor Scott Van Lanken and the members built the building that is now our Fountain Hills campus of Generation Church. I think about it, South Mountain. When Paul and Beth Levino, they packed up their family and they drove to Owatukee in 1991. They held their first service just a few weeks later at Grace Inn. That was actually the name, Grace Inn, on Elliott and the I-10. Now it's called the Four Point Sheraton. They bought our current property in 1992 for $184,000, and they built that building in 1994. They also brought my future wife with them to Arizona, so I'm very grateful for that. And then our Mesa campus, this campus uh, was founded uh, originally back in 1948 over on Apache Trail, a little to the north of here. And I think it's so cool that in 1986 a bunch of the elderly church leaders would come to this location where we're at today and they would march around the eight acres of property here claiming this property for their church by faith and asking God to give it to them. And that is what he did. And... Eventually it happened, we didn't get here overnight. Our Mesa campus started out as just a little 2,000 square foot building on the far west side of the campus and they built and they expanded. In 1999, my dad and mom came to become the senior pastors of this church, Randy and Dawn Visconti. And in 2001, after they started to grow, they built the facility to the east where we worshiped right before this Sunday, where we grew and grew. In 2019, we began meeting with an architect and planning to build on this property further. And our pastors, our leaders, our board members, our core church members, all had faith to step out in prayer, in sacrificial giving, and believing that God would make it possible for us to accomplish his will. Sadly, many churches were closing their doors during the pandemic, but by God's grace, we were building bigger rooms. And while I'm talking about it, I wanna just say thank you to everybody who gave to make this possible. If you've given at Generation Church to the Lord, you are a part of bringing us to this point today. I wanna thank you who prayed for our church during this season. I wanna thank our church staff who worked so, so hard over these last couple of weeks and sacrificed so much to make this possible. And I wanna let you know, if you're in our Mesa campus, we're just getting started. We're not done with the facility yet. Uh, We weren't gonna wait until it was perfect. We wanted to move in as soon as possible and then continue to work out the kinks. So this isn't gonna be our actual grand opening. We're gonna have more times of prayer and dedication And we'll have a grand opening to the community next year. But I just want to make it clear from the beginning that this facility is a gift from God. And this belongs to God. We dedicate this building and all of our facilities to the Lord's glory. And we want this to be a place where the Holy Spirit dwells Our prayer is that this will be a place where Jesus is glorified as king and that we want this to be a place where the prodigal is drawn home and experiences the love of the father for himself. And I believe just like he always has, God has a way of filling up willing vessels who make themselves available by faith. And he has a way of filling up our church, when we make room for more people by faith, because God loves people and He responds to faith. Amen. Every miracle starts with a step of faith, and every step of faith leads you closer to your next miracle. None of us would be here today if the saints of old and the previous generations hadn't stepped out in faith. And as a church, we're going to keep stepping out in faith. I want to ask you, what? step of faith is God calling you to take personally. When you have real faith, you will do what God calls you to do. In Ephesians 2 it says that we're saved by grace through faith and this is not a result of our own works so that no man may boast. But of course, there are Christians and churches who do they do good works. And they do it in many ways to virtue signal, just like people in the world do. You know, you'll see your friends posting on social media, like, I just got done volunteering at the soup kitchen. Uh, Hashtag, I'm such a good person, no big deal. (laughs) And they just wanna let everybody know that they're righteous, they're good. I don't smoke or drink or chew or go with girls who do. And (laughs) maybe you grew up around Christians like that. In Isaiah 64, it says, When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. When we do good works for the purpose of virtue signaling or trying to prove something or earn something, it's like filthy rags to God. But in Hebrews 11, it's clear that God is pleased with good deeds. So you got to ask, why are some good deeds uh, like dirty used underwear to God Whereas other good deeds would earn you a commendation from God. What is the difference? Well, the difference between good works that disgust God and good works that delight God is found in the why. The why. It's not about what you do for God, but why you do it. What is the cause? What is your motivation? If you do good to show off or because you think then God will owe you a certain type of blessing, well, all you've got to show for your good works is filthy rags. But if you do good deeds because you're grateful that God has saved you and changed you, and by faith you can't help but take action, these types of good deeds delight God. Unfortunately, the world is full of Christians who profess faith, but they fail to demonstrate that faith in their works. In James chapter 2, Well, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Okay, so I want to point this out. It says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food. And so it's really supposed to communicate to us that Scripture here is talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Not necessarily everyone in the whole world, although it's good to be charitable towards people in the world, even people you don't know. But it's especially emphasizing our obligation to take care of one another in the church in the body of Christ, because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So it could be uh, having to do with food, but it could be any kind of need. If someone comes up to you in the church lobby and they're like, help me, I'm really struggling. I have a need, I'm hungry. And you say, well, thoughts and prayers come in your way. I know God will work it out for you. It's like, well, he will work it out. He sent you to work it out. We live in an age though of casual Christianity. And we tend to take for granted how much the previous generation of Christians sacrificed and how much faith they had to step out in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and building the kingdom. So the reality is this, not to be pessimistic, but most American Christians just cruise through life today on autopilot, drafting off the last generation's faith and taking for granted what was sacrificed. We're not gonna do that at this church. In fact, I wanna remind you about how next week we're gonna take up a special I Love My Church offering. And the point of giving this offering is to show God that you're grateful for what He's done in your life at this church and that you are anticipating the good things that He's gonna do in your life through this church in the years to come. And I know it's gonna be a great opportunity for us all to give because a lot of us, we weren't here when the facilities were being built that I, I talked about. And maybe you've come since then and you've been blessed at this church and your kids have been blessed at this church uh, and you have big prayers and hopes for how God is gonna continue to work in your life through this church. This is a special time to give an offering as we come up on the end of the year in this Christmas season. We give gifts to each other. We should probably give gifts to Jesus as well since it's his birth that we're celebrating. And so I'm not talking about regular tithes and offerings. I'm talking about a special life love offering that we're going to give next week. And what I would do is ask you to just pray and ask the Holy Spirit how you should participate in that. No one's going to pressure you or try to guilt trip you or manipulate you. But if you are grateful for what God did in your life at this church so far, and if you anticipate greater things in the days to come, this is an opportunity to show that you love your church and you're grateful to God. Now, if you're a guest today, what a great day to come to church for the first time. We've got actual snow in the desert. Miracles happen. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Well, I don't want to tell you right up front, if you're a guest, I like to keep it real. Uh, One of the reasons you might not end up liking this church is because if you belong to this church family, I'm going to actually challenge you to do stuff. I'm gonna ask you to take action as your pastor because that's what the Bible says God expects you to do when you have real saving faith. Christianity is not a consumer religion and the church is not a cruise ship here to entertain you and make you comfortable. This church is a battleship sent to fight evil and rescue the lost and train up believers for selfless service. We believe as a church that faith in Jesus is the only way to be forgiven of sins and defeat death and receive eternal life. We have faith that one day, every soul will stand before God and face judgment. We have faith that Jesus will one day return, punish evildoers in hell, and create a new heaven and a new earth for those who love him, and we will reign with him for eternity. And here's the thing, this hasn't happened yet. Yet. But faith is confidence in a reality to come demonstrated by actions today. So as your pastor, I will ask you to serve and give and witness to the lost and live righteously. And some people won't like that. But we have confidence in a reality yet to come and we demonstrate our faith through our actions today. So if you, let me just give you a little little diagnostic moment here. If you profess faith in Jesus, but your faith, your life doesn't look any different from the lives of lost people who don't believe, it's a warning sign that you might have what the Bible calls dead faith. If you profess faith in Jesus, but you never tell other people about it, maybe you've been like an undercover secret agent Christian, Maybe you don't serve or give or forgive the people who've hurt you. That's a warning sign you might have dead faith. And the reason I'm pointing this out is not to guilt trip you and say, you know, you're not really saved. But it's to help you come to the realization yourself, uh uh-oh, maybe I'm not really saved. Or maybe you are, I don't know your heart, but maybe functionally it's like you have dead faith in need of resurrection, as I said, in reality, everyone has faith, but some people have misplaced faith. They put their faith in themselves. Many of you remember a time in your life when you were primarily trusting in your own ability to make it happen, or many people, they misplace their faith in false religion. Some people have counterfeit faith in a counterfeit version of God who is not the real God of the Bible. And, they cl- and there are other people, they claim to believe the same things that we do, but their faith never results in any type of actions. And so James 2 says, this is dead faith. So I don't know what's in your heart. I'm not your judge, but I am praying right now that the Holy Spirit will show you how to take your next step of faith. It might be that your next step of faith is the first step of faith. That maybe you're here, maybe you're at one of our campuses today, maybe you're online right now watching this from somewhere else in the country, and you need to put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It might be your next step of faith is a small step. You just need to keep coming to church every week and see the rest of those Christmas candles get lit. Just make a new habit for you and your family, getting to God's house. Or it might be your next step of faith is a little bit of a bigger step where you're gonna plug into a local church like this one and start acting like family, who works towards building a generational legacy. You say, I'm gonna start living like I believe in Jesus. I'm gonna start serving and giving and telling people and bringing people to meet Jesus the way that I have. It might be your next step of faith is a really big step of faith. Maybe God's calling you to, to step out and start a new business or write a book or start a new ministry. Here's the thing, faith, it can be hard to define, but you know it when you see it And you can't identify living faith until you see it. Every miraculous work of God was preceded by a step of faith. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Remember, in Hebrews, when the author wanted to define faith, he said, it looks like this. Here's here's the works that these men and women did by faith. Abraham left his home by faith for a land that God would give him. And he didn't even know where he was going. It takes faith to jump out of an airplane and just believe that this parachute is gonna save your life. And it takes faith to trust in Jesus for the salvation of your soul. The thing is like, you can't see your soul in a mirror, but you sense that you have a soul, that you are a soul. You can't see what lies beyond the grave but you have a sense in your soul that there is something there. You haven't seen Jesus face to face, but you believe that he's gonna save you and that he's gonna come through for you the way he said he would. It takes faith to start going to church regularly and be vulnerable with other believers. It takes faith to start serving before you know what it's gonna look like and the challenges you're gonna face. It takes faith to start giving before you see God's provision and blessing. In your life, it takes faith to start bringing people to Jesus and sharing the gospel with your coworkers in the break room before anyone says yes. But that is what faith acts like. It takes faith to pray for healing in your body when doctors told you there's no hope. It takes faith to walk in joy before you have that baby in your arms. It takes faith to launch out on a new endeavor when you've been told it can't be done. And it takes faith to keep living for Jesus when you're the only person in your family who currently has faith in Jesus. But I believe if you are that person, that the flame of faith will spread through you to your family and that one day your kids and grandkids will worship Jesus in this building. (laughs) By faith. This is what faith acts like. I heard about a poem. It says this. Doubt sees the obstacles, faith sees a way. Doubt sees the darkest night, faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step, faith soars on high. Doubt questions, who believes? Faith answers, I. I believe the more you step out in faith, the more you'll see miracles like the heroes of faith did in Hebrews 11. And let me just remind you what some of those miracles were. It says this in verse 32. How much more do I need to say it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets by faith These people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Every miracle starts with a step of faith, and every step of faith leads you closer to your next next miracle. What step of faith is God calling you to take today? Maybe you're one of those people that right now the Holy Spirit is putting it on your heart that you need to open your life up to Jesus. And one of the things at our church we really believe is it's important to give people an opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior because you could hear all the inspirational words in the world and all the encouragement. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus... If your sins haven't been forgiven, then nothing else matters. Amen, church? So I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes today at all of our locations. And if you came today and right now you know, I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And in your heart right now, you have the conviction that you would say, I have sinned against God and I need forgiveness. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not just you, but all of us. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then the Bible tells us how to be saved. It says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so maybe that's you right now. I want to lead you in a prayer wherever you're at. You can pray this prayer with me. And it's not so much about the words of this prayer as it is that your heart is genuine as you pray. And so I'm gonna lead you and and help you have the words to say maybe, but wherever you're at, I wanna encourage you to repeat this prayer after me. And I know if you mean it, God will hear it and he will save you and change you and you'll never be the same. So let's pray this together. Just say, God, I admit that I have sinned against you and I need your forgiveness. I believe in Jesus, your son, that he came into this world and lived a perfect life that I couldn't live. Yet he died on the cross to save me from my sins. And I believe that he rose again so I could have eternal life. Through my faith in Jesus today, I believe I'm forgiven and I have hope of eternal life. I thank you, Lord, for loving me. And I wanna ask you to lead me from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Listen, if you just pray that prayer at any of our locations right now, between you and God, this is a moment to respond physically to what just happened inwardly. We're not gonna embarrass you. We're not looking around right now, but with our heads bowed, if you just prayed that prayer right now, I wanna ask you to raise your hand up high to God, to just raise it up high as a way of acknowledging that you just prayed that prayer. Thank you, sir. Anyone else, wherever you're at, just raise it up at any of our locations, online. It's good to respond. And we're just going to slip you a new Bible. It's a gift that we want to give you. So I want to give you one more moment. You just prayed that prayer. Raise your hand up high. Be bold. Be proud of it. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, church, let's stand to our feet now this time. What a great day. How many of you say, I need God to do a miracle in my life? Well, right now we're gonna lift up our needs to God and we're gonna believe by faith that as he leads us forward, we will see the goodness of the Lord. So I'm gonna ask you to pray with me and we're gonna take time to praise God and worship him for what he's done. Let's lift him up right now. God, we love you and we thank you. I pray for every soul in this church, Lord. You know their needs, you know the plan that you have for their lives. I pray that you will lead them and guide them and bless them. Lord, we pray that we'll take the steps of faith you're calling us to take individually and as a church family. God, we thank you in advance for the good things that we will see in the days to come. We give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, let's give God praise today. Come on, lift your voice. Let's worship.